the Lord. You know why? Because this is just a microphone. That's all it is. And if I mute it... So here's what Satan does. He has used the sound system to discourage me every time I get up to preach. And so what we need to realize is that, you know, no weapons formed against me shall prosper. And here's what ends up happening. I get up here. One of the things that makes me so angry. Did I, did I demonstrate that right? Is when a mic doesn't work. Because what's more important to me is that you hear the word of God. It's not about me. It's about his word. And so it makes it a lot easier. So, you know, you get up to preach and all of a sudden you realize that before you even get up into the pulpit, you have all these distractions. So this past week I said, Lord, I need a message this week. I don't even know how I'm, where I'm going with this. I mean, this was on Thursday. And I said, Lord, you've got to start speaking to me. There's been nothing all week. Normally, sometimes I have stuff that's three weeks down the road. And I said, what happened? Hello? Lord, are you there? And it was immediately the next... I woke up, got up from my prayer closet, got up that morning as I was praying. The Lord gave me this text. So if you would, please turn in your Bible to Isaiah 54, 17. Isaiah 54, 17. And as he gave me this message, I thought, this is perfect. This is for our church. This is for each and every one of us in this room. Because I don't care if you're 14 years old. I don't care if you're 74 years old. I don't care what age you are. Let me tell you something. You're not done. Your life's not over yet. The Lord still has some great things in store for you. He does. And do you know what Satan does? Every day he wants to distract you from fulfilling your responsibility to the Father. What is our responsibility? He said, listen, disciples, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Then it talks about forgiving our trespasses. Forgive those who trespassed against us and who have sinned against us. We know the prayer and we live out that prayer. But church, I'm excited to tell you that today there's somebody in this room that needs this message and I think it's me. So I'm preaching to myself this morning. And I'm just going to bring this out to you because I think there's an important principle that God wants us to learn. And we're going to do this over the next three weeks. Because if we look at the scriptures and we understand what just took place in Isaiah 53, which will go there, but then we'll unmask Isaiah 54, 17, and then I'll correlate the two, then we'll correlate it and we'll make it applicable to our lifestyle today. And where we're going with our Christian life. How many of you would say this? I love the Lord. Amen. You love the Lord. And yet we fail sometimes to realize just how much we love the Lord because we don't seek the Lord with all of our heart. And so as we look into the scripture, I want you to know that you're worth it. So I want you to look to the person next to you and say, you're worth it. Look at the person in front of you, behind you and say, you're worth it. I don't want you to talk to nobody this morning. You're worth it. He went to the cross for you. You're worth it. Some of you husbands and wives are looking at you going, yeah, baby, you know you're worth it. But there's some value. Let me read this text with you. 
it says here, no weapon formed against you shall what? Prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, saith the Lord. In Hebrew, weapon refers to any tool or utensil used against a person. A weapon is anything that could be used against you for evil intent. And, and when I was looking this up, I'm thinking, a tool or utensil. Does that mean, kids, that all of a sudden, oh no, mom has that spatula. That's what I thought about with a utensil. Mom has this wooden spoon. You know, back in the day, there was a lot of people that used to, any parents in here, that their parents used a wooden spoon? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they always cared. And so I thought, utensil. Isn't that amazing? So we realize that, as the scripture says here, that no utensil, no tool formed against you shall prosper. You could say this. If someone used his car against you, it shall not prosper. If someone used his cell phone against you, it shall not prosper. If someone used his checkbook against you, it shall not prosper. If someone used her cloud against you, it shall not prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. The Lord says, nothing built, sharpened, aimed at, or fired against you. Your family, your church family, God's kingdom or God's people will succeed. Though your enemies may seem to win for a while, a job may be eliminated, a child may wander far, a life may even be lost. In the end, even these tragedies will be unfolded in God's agenda for prospering those who are truly His. Isn't that exciting to think about? Why is this true? The reason? Because no weapon formed against you will prosper. It's not because you are a fierce warrior, because it's because... He is who He is. It's not because you're a fierce warrior. It's because He is who He is. In Joshua 23, it says, One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as He promised you. So let me ask you, could you single-handedly, Pastor Todd, chase away a thousand soldiers? No, but God can. And it is he who fights for you. He is the defender of his children. How many of you would say, yes, I have been in the fight? Give me a wave. Okay, so I know, let me explain some things here to you. And I think I'm going to go a little bit more into my own personal testimony, my own life. But I just want to share a couple things in regard to no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So let's see, I'm nine years old. I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. At 13, I'm baptized. At 15, I'm surrendered to preach. So here I am. It's my eighth grade year. In between my eighth grade and my freshman year, I go to a youth conference. The man's up there preaching. I don't know who it was. But what did I do? I walked down that aisle. There was probably 3,000 teenagers. Walked down that aisle, and I surrendered to do whatever God had for me. Little did I realize that when I surrendered, just exactly where would my future take me? Isn't it, isn't it just a scary thing when you think of the word uncertainty? 
You don't know where the Lord's going to take you or what He's going to do with you. So, bam! I get up from that altar, I go back to my seat, and I knew that that was a life-changing experience for me. So, school comes back into, in, into the, the school year. I'm a freshman now. Now I have to play all of this stuff out in my life. Now all of a sudden, I have to become the man and the young man who was back at that altar who meant business with God. You see, the altar shouldn't just be a temporary fix. It should be an eternal fix. And if you're serious about what you're doing for the Lord, then you go to that altar, and when you lay it down, you leave it at that altar, and you get back up a changed person. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's the altar. That's what happened even in the most holy place. And we understand as I taught that and I won't go backwards. But one thing that I learned through all of this is that when we realize that surrender takes place in our life, that change starts to take place. So one surrender, two change. But then it happens. Oh, no. Um, no, I'll sit over here. This is where I'll sit for lunch today. Why are you staring? Oh, I can't sit here? Oh. Um, okay, I'll sit over here. No, they don't want me to sit with them. I came over here. And they don't want me to sit with them. And then I came over here, and I, and I remembered looking at these three beautiful people, and these three beautiful people... And I thought, I'm going to sit next to them. And they all shook their head, no. Help me out. No. This is a true story. And so I remember just like slowly taking my tray and going, where in the world am I going to sit? So you know what you do? Hmm. Well, let's see. I started over here. They were my best friends all through grade school. (laughs) They hate me. And then I went over here to this section, and they're looking at me like I have checkered pants on and a plaid tie. I better not sit there. And then I can't, oh, no, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to sit next to him. Oh, are you doing the same thing that he's doing to you? Yeah, you're looking at each other like, well, you could sit over there. Yeah, but he's got long hair, and he looks like he just came from hell. I'm afraid! And then it hit me. I'm going to go over there and sit down. Hey, what's your name? Todd, really? That's my name, too. Oh, man, it's rough to find a place around here. Sure is. People don't like guys like me. What do you mean? And it was that day that I remember that Todd and I became friends and we started to develop a relationship. But here's what he said. Why can't you find a place to sit, Tackett? I go, I don't know what's going on. He goes, I know what's going on. You're a preacher boy is what you are. Nobody wants to be seen with the preacher boy. And I looked at him and go, but I thought my friends told me that they were, that they were part of the, the church. And I, I remember that one and I remember that one. And they were all going to church. And then it began. So lunch was over. And I remember being in class and I'd go to sit down because in high school you don't have those assigned seats. You just sit wherever you want in class. 
And remember going to sit down? You're not sitting by me, Tackett, you nerd. You're not sitting by me, Tackett, you weirdo. You're not sitting by me, Tackett. Preacher boy, don't let the pastor sit by you. He'll preach a sermon to you. I mean it. That's what he does in every class. Hurry up. So, oh, I'll sit here. Oh, no, you won't. And I thought to myself, this is really weird. Because all my life I thought, you know, surrendering, picking up the cross of Christ. And then all of a sudden I went, it's true. I am that weirdo. I am that awkward kid. I am that kid that people reject. I am that kid that nobody wants to be like. I am that kid who people look at me and go, why do you wear light blue pants with a, with a bow tie? Who does that today? He does. And I rem- as I was doing this message, it finally hit me that the weapons of so many people keep us hindered. Because if you look in your text, it says, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You'll never make it. You'll never make it to the pulpit. You will never make it till graduation. You're not even smart enough, student. You'll never make it in this position. You don't even have a degree, doctor. You don't have a degree, teacher. You don't. What are you doing? You're student teaching here. You can't even speak in public. Who do you think you are? And before long, we all crawl up into this corner and we say, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Stay away from me. Because we've believed the lies of the enemy. So as soon as surrender took place, and I thought, wait a minute. Man, I was in eighth grade. Everything was going great. If there was something I could run for for president, I was running for it. President of Student Council, President of Home Economics Club. I didn't even know what Home Economics Club was. But if they said you're running for it, I was running for it. And yeah, I was the guy who everybody liked. Oh, Tackett, he's such a nice guy. No, I wasn't. I wasn't a nice person. And to look at somebody, to judge them for the same way that they were judging me was using the tongue to curse me and not to bless me. So that year was such a a time in my life where I just felt so like, I can't do this. I'm going to tell you right now, my freshman year was exhausting, wasn't it, Tracy? It was a very exhausting year. I would go home and just say, Dad, please, you have money. Send me to Christian school. Let me be with the rest of the nerdy people. I just want to be a nerd for Jesus. And he'd say, son, let me think about it. Haven't we thought about it? It's February. I've been in this school since August, and I need to be out of this school that's persecuting me. So I told my mom, I said, I can't handle this anymore. I am sick of it everywhere I went. You know, you have to look the part, dress the part, act the part. Don't you just hate that? So when I got up this morning, I said, I'm going to wear a bow tie today. I don't care if I look the part, dress the part, act the part. I don't care if I wear skinny jeans, flared jeans, white jeans, whatever jeans. I don't care if they're purple, pink, yellow, black, or white. It doesn't matter because I'm not going to let no weapon 
No tongue. Nobody put me down because I'm conforming to whatever Satan wants me to conform to. And we've all done it. We've all been there. You know, and when I looked at the Scripture, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So I go to church. Guess what, preacher? Yes, Todd. Can I lead the music? I'm 15 years old. Well, if you want to be trained, go right ahead. I said, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to lead the music. I want to get up and, and, and just, I feel called because I was listening to Jimmy Swagger to my living room and I was practicing my beats. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. See, I got it. I shall not. It was a 4-4 timing. I learned, I need training. What can you guys put me through? So he's like, this is what you do. This is how you say it. So I, it was so exciting. I got up that first time, 15 years old, stepped into the big pulpit. As my hair was like this. And this is all you could see because, you know, in the Baptist faith, our pulpits were big and everybody behind it seemed small. So I got up to it and I looked out and I said, May I invite you to stand to drinking at the springs of living water, hymn number 457. I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame. And All right, you may be seated. Here I am 29 years later still. But there's something you're missing. Because right after that, Excuse me, Todd, can I see you in my office? Sure. So I go down there. I go in the pastor's office with the big desk and the big chair. And he leans across that table and says, You are arrogant. And you're full of pride. You will never make it. Well, the kids at the school call me the nerd. The pastor calls me the guy who'll never make it. I'll never make it. If I can't make it in the church, the place I'm supposed to worship, then I can't make it in the public school, which is the mission field. Where do I fit in, America? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Nothing that is said that is done will ever prosper. Well, what do you want me to do, reverend, somebody? Well, here's how you should say it, and here's what you should do. This is the way you should look. You should part your hair on this side. You should wear a suit like this. You should act like that. You should do this. You should say that. Stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. Ah! I was freaking out. I wanted to look at him and go, I'm 15 years old. But I'm arrogant and I'm proud. I had a lot to be proud of, didn't I? Gap in my teeth. They were bigger than they are now. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And the reality is, all I wanted to do was serve the Lord. That's all I wanted to do. But then, a year later, Todd, can you come to my office? What now? This is the 16th time you've had me in here. So I collapsed in the chair. 
You are never going to make it. You're a loser. Hmm. What can I do to change? And I heard it over and over and over and over and over to the point. Many of you do not know this, but that's where my irritable bowel came in place. At the beautiful ripe age of 18 years of age, because I started getting sick before I got in the pulpit. My nerves would come over me, and I would think all of these things that people have said about me were true. So I started saying, wait a minute, I'm exactly what he says. I'm arrogant. I'm proud. I- I'm, I'm independent. I'm a nerd. I'm a Jesus lover. But I thought he was a Jesus lover. I'm a loser. No, you're not sitting here. Get away from me. You look weird. You act weird. You talk weird. Everything about you is weird. Okay, what else do I have left? Not much of anything. I'd just take my life. And you know, if it wasn't for the power, the power, the power, the power, the power, the power, and the power of Almighty God, I wouldn't be standing up here today as your pastor. I wouldn't do it. When you look at the scripture, and it says there that it will not prosper. That word is translated succeed in the ESV. But in the NIV, it talks about prevail. And the concept gives us hope. No assault will be final, even if it appears to be prospering. It's not done yet. Even if it wins the battle, it won't win the war. God takes it very seriously when someone opposes or attacks the ones he loves. Woo! That's exciting. God hates it when somebody puts down his child. He hates it. And thankfully enough, I had a couple old people that took me under their wings. And when I say old, they were elderly. Anne could barely stand up straight. She wobbled over to the organ, and she'd sit down at that organ. They loved me. They said, you've got great potential, young man. You're going to go somewhere for the Lord someday. We're going to take you down to Bob Jones University. We're going to take you over here to this college. We're going to show you some Bible colleges. We're going to let you experience truly the better part of Christianity. Not the negativity, but the better part. Of Christianity. And as I look back and reflect on good old Elmer and Ann, how they really left an impact in my life, I remember the words that this says here the word prosper and the word prevail, the word succeed. I don't care what someone has told you. You rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ because you are His child. You can live favor-minded. You are favor-minded of God. And He wants to do some great things in your life. And so when I look at the life of of even the Scriptures, and here the, the, the prophet was saying to the Gentiles, you may have lost sight, but remember this, you haven't lost who God is. And he has some great things in store for you. So right now, if you're struggling in your life thinking, I feel like I'm at a standstill. I can't do it. Listen, I was there. Where do I go? What do I do? How am I going to handle this? I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, 
yeah, maybe I got in class and they started talking about, I know this is going to be kind of hysterical for some of you, rock and roll music. Well, back in the day, rock and roll music for me was Def Leppard, Motley Cruz, Easy Top. And so, you know, they would get on a debate and up came the preacher boy. Well, you know, that stuff straight from hell. You need to get your heart right with God. You should not be listening to that stuff. All it talks about is the devil. The kids are looking at me in there. Now, as I look back on that, I'm thinking to myself, I was the outcast. Because those kids didn't understand. He's what? Well, we turned on the radio. If it's of the devil, why in the world were we listening to it? You shouldn't be listening to songs called She's Got Legs. Is that what it is? I think. Is that ZZ Top? Yeah. You shouldn't be listening. That stuff is awful. Oh. They're all looking at me thinking, this is kind of strange. Well, that happened in one class, and then the next class, and then the next class, and then the next class. And so throughout my, my childhood, it was truly a time where when I made that decision that nothing shall stand against me, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to hold up my banner and I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My surrender to the word wasn't for an hour. It wasn't for, for a day. It wasn't for a week. It was for a lifetime. And my love for the Lord has continued to grow because I chose to make a decision that day at that altar to change my life. You can do the same thing. Quit teeter-tottering back and forth saying, God, I know I want to be used, but I'm kind of afraid of where you'll take me. I would have never thought in a million years I would be in North Hill, Ohio. I didn't even know where North Hill was. I didn't even know where Kaga Falls was at. I might as well live like an Amish out in Edinburgh, Ohio. Because I didn't know where none of this stuff was at. But God led me to this city at his appointed time, at this appointed place to do his work. And Steve, you blessed my heart when you got saved and baptized. Because that's the work of the Lord. But you see what Satan wants us to do? You're not winning anybody else. Remember, you're a loser. You'll never make it. You'll never make it in the business world. You will never make it at anything. Remember, isn't that what your preacher told you back when you were only... Fifteen years old. Get behind me, Satan, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. I'll bet you I have said that like Jesus did when he was tempted of Satan. I know I have said that over my 40-some years, over and over. I know it's been said 2,500 times in my life. Because you know why? You're a value to me. 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 Because people, listen, because God went to the cross and he died for our sins and he rose from the grave to give us life. Now we have a hope for tomorrow. And when you think that all of a sudden you can't do it anymore, and I'll tell you this, I remember this one time. Ready? Here I was in high school. I'm standing in line, this is kind of embarrassing. Look at Tackett. He looks gay in that outfit. I overheard him. Really? So I'm just throwing that out there. Why? Because I don't look like you? Oh, that's right. The weapons that are formed against me shall not stand. Oh, isn't that amazing? 
how, oh, that's right, I'm supposed to conform to you. That's what Satan wants us to believe. Listen, church, Satan wants us to believe that we're to conform to him and to listen to the lies and the deceit and all the put-downs and all the things that take place. He wants us to be just like him, a nobody. Can I hear an amen? Because he is a nobody. Listen to me, Lucifer, you're a nobody. And he wants to ruin the lives. Listen, church, have you not noticed? So I'm just going to be right out here raw. We've put people in the baptismal waters. They've accepted Christ, got baptized, and you never see them again. You know why? Because it says you shall come out of those waters. You shall walk in the newness of life. And then we have a new life. And we're excited. But the first thing somebody does is, Oh, you were baptized. Are you hyper-spiritual? What does that mean? And we all look at him and go, I don't know. So if Jesus ascended and he told his disciples, go do my work. Preach the gospel. Do the work of an evangelist. Get out there. Let people know. Listen, it wasn't easy for Jesus. Because you know what they said? Look at Jesus. He looks gay with those sandals and that robe on. Right? Because people will put you down. The thing is, that we have to remember is, hold on a minute, let's go back to that text. And every tongue that rises against you, you can condemn. Let me ask you something. In the church, I don't like the way he looked at me. I know he's, he's the same way with me. Can you believe pastor did this? I know, that's what he always does. Did you notice Pastor Luke in the soundboard back there in the booth? Yeah, he wears that bright red shirt. I hate that red shirt. Why does he wear red shirts? I like your red shirt. Yeah, Pastor Todd, who does he think he is anyhow? Oh, hold on a minute. But, but isn't that what happens even in the church? We let the tongue start to control us. Listen, I didn't take on this role because I'm qualified. I took on this role because I was called. And that's what's so great about our life in Christ. We get the great privilege of accepting the call that Christ gives each and every one of us. So what is your calling? So if he says in his word, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. This is awesome news. This is the greatest news I've ever heard in my life. All righteousness, all right living, comes from the Lord, and everybody's going to condemn me. That's awesome. I am so excited to serve the Lord. This is the best life ever. And we wonder why our seats are empty today in America. We wonder why the CEOs come out at an important time of the year. Because you know what? They don't understand. Here's what happened this morning. Beep, 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 beep. Click. Ooh. Ah. It's sunshiny outside. Ooh. You know what I can do? I only have today off. 
I'm not going to church. Why would I want to worship the Lord? I'm going to stay home and I'm going to mow the lawn is what I'm going to do. Because that is, I mean, it's beautiful. Yesterday was 50. Today's going to be 70. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay home and mow the lawn. One man told me that about 10 years ago. He said, I'd love to have been at church, but I had to mow the lawn. I got up. It was a beautiful day, and I thought I would just go mow the lawn. But then he told the rest of the story. And he said, and I'll never do that again, preacher. Went out there to start my lawnmower. God wouldn't let it start. But it started at 2 o'clock. I said, because I prayed that your lawnmower wouldn't start. Oh, just, I didn't do that. And so when you look at the Word, you have to realize, wait a minute. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Get to church. Get involved. So I, I love that, that as we look at the Scriptures, it says this, Just as their weapons will not win, neither will their words. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Have you ever been to a, a target for hurtful words because of your stand for the Lord? Have you experienced ridicule in your workplace or home because of your loyalty to Jesus? Do you know the sting of scorn because of your stand for God's truth? Have you been rebuked because of your fidelity to God's agenda? If you answered no to all of those questions, that's not a good sign. It suggests that people around you haven't noticed a direct connection between you and God. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So that was my freshman and my sophomore year. And I thought, wow, this is lonely. Every day, where am I going to sit? What am I going to do? Then I started, you know, Todd wanted to look like Bon Jovi, so his hair went, you know, and he had this hair, so... He was Todd the hair, I was Todd the nose. We became best friends. I led him to Christ at, at the lunchroom table. He got saved, then he got baptized. And after that, another kid came over. I led him to Christ. He got saved, he got baptized. Then another one came over. He got saved, he got baptized. And before long, it was like a church service in the lunchroom. And people were getting saved left and right. Then I would go to the bathroom. I'd go to church, grab the tracks off the track rack. And I, I wondered at the same time the pastor was going to say, What are you doing with all the tracks in the church? doesn't look good if the track rack's empty. I was waiting for that one. But I'd take a whole stack, go to the bathroom, take that track, and I would, I would take it, put it in a toilet paper, roll it up in there so when somebody went to the bathroom, they had some literature to read. I'm just giving you guys some ideas. And, uh, and then I would grab grab the tracks, go down the locker, throw them in everybody's locker. Now, you know what's so funny? They probably were like, it says Bethel on the back of, oh, there's Tackett again. He's out there doing the work of Jesus. And yet, you know what? It was so neat because it wasn't long after that. I ran into one of my guidance counselors, and she's now retired. And this past week, my wife and I were over in Stowe, and we ran into her. And uh, now Lindsay actually has Mrs. Rolowski's daughter as a teacher. And Mrs. Rolowski was a guidance counselor, and she would come to me, and she would say, okay, we've got this going on with some of these teenagers. Would you come and talk to them? I'm like, sure. So I would go talk to them. You know, I, I was educated. I was. 17 years old now, I was educated. No, I wasn't. But I had something. I had the power. I had the power. I had the power. I had the power. I had the power of Almighty God doing the work. 
that I couldn't do. So I'd walk in there, and Carol, you know, it probably wouldn't go over well today, but I'd walk in there with my tiny little King James Bible. You like it, aren't you? Back then I was 130 pounds. I think the Bible was probably heavier. So, you know, I'd walk in there, and they would come out, and she'd, she, you know, a- after a while, she's like, what did you do? These kids are different now. I led them to Christ. What are you going through? What's going on? I would just open up my Bible. Say, let me ask you a question. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Let me ask you a question today. You know, if you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should you get into heaven? What would you say? I don't know. And after a while, I liked Carol. She'd be sitting by... You know, she'd sit by the, the secretary's desk. She'd give me one of those winks. She knew what I was doing. I was presenting the gospel because she couldn't. She was a teacher in the public school system. So they would come and get me. I would hear, Todd Tackett, please report to the guidance office. Before long, everybody thought I was a guidance counselor at the school. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, I heard, I heard somebody tell me, you'll never succeed, you're independent, you're arrogant, you're a loser, you're a nerd, you'll never make it. No weapon formed against me, no weapon formed against me, no weapon formed against me. No, what are these people going to think? No weapon formed against me, no weapon formed against me. I kept saying that over and over in my life, and that's what's helped me to get through my walk with Christ. Because I knew that people were firing at me all the time. I go into the principal's office, Tackett, what are you doing? Are you spreading the gospel around this school? You know you can't do that. I go, I can't. Do you have proof? Well, we found these tracks, and they say, Bethlehem, you're the only one that goes there, you and your sister. Well, maybe my sister's doing it. No, my sister wasn't doing it. And I, <laughs> He'd look at me like, I'm like, Mr. Byers, hey, I'm just spreading love. That's all I'm doing. Well, you know, it wasn't long after that that, you know, for, for many of you, you know some of the story and you've heard it before. But I want you to know that there's something that's very, very important about what people say and, and what they do that form our futures. I know that some of you in this room have been hurt by your parent. I know that some of you in this room have been disappointed by those who are a part of your life maybe a grandfather, an uncle, an aunt, maybe a brother, a sister, whatever it might be. But I want you to know that you are a child of the Most High God. And he said, as he even said to the Gentiles, and I love this, and it is he who fights for you. He is the defender of his children. Isn't that awesome? So we live out our life because we're so fearful of what someone or somebody is going to say to us. We can't look a certain way. We can't walk a certain way. We can't act a certain way. We can't talk a certain way because you know what? Someone's always saying something about us. I go in the church, the song leader that's there, he now doesn't like me because all of a sudden I learned how to do drinking at the springs of living water behind that big pulpit, flapping my arms because I was this tall, 5'11", skinny, 127-pound kid. And now I'm going to be persecuted, not just from the pastor, but from the song leader. I'd walk up. Hey, Dale, how you doing? <laughs> next day, or next week, or next service, or whatever it might have been. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I don't have time for you. Wait a minute. Church, hold on a minute. 
Do you know why people say we're the friendliest church in Akron, Ohio? Because you better be friendly. I mean that. Because I am so sick and tired of the religion that's out there and not the relationship people have with Christ. And if you have a relationship with Christ, you'll have people everywhere. And what we've done is we have to look a certain way. I have heard this, I know, 100 times. You're a pastor. You're... Didn't it say I get to condemn them? (laughs) I don't. But in my mind, I surely say, and you're a what? The way you look. If you're judging me, I'm judging you. I mean... Two wrongs don't make a right. But I've heard it over. You don't look like a pastor. Well, I guess I'm going to get in a pulpit and start preaching like this and start using words and, and, and use speak like this and speak with authority. Do I sound like a preacher now? Because everybody has a stereotypical, wait a minute, God called 12 disciples who were all messed up. And I'm glad that I was one of those that he called that was all messed up. That was me. And I remember walking up to that song leader and I said to him, I said, listen, song leader, he had a name, but I don't need to use it. I said, do you have a problem with me? You know, Matthew 18 says, there I was, the preacher boy, I'm using my scripture. If you're offended, you go to your brother. And if the brother doesn't hear you, you take a witness. If the witness doesn't hear you, you still take two or three witnesses and loud you bring for the church, blah, blah, blah. You know, all that stuff. I had it all down pat. I go, what is your problem? Why should a 16, 17-year-old young man have to walk up to an adult and act like that? It's time for us to grow up. You know what his problem was? It was what somebody else said that all of a sudden he believed what they said and because this young, skinny, blonde-headed boy was going to go into the pulpit, which is now gray-haired, was now going to go in the pulpit and what take his position, we shouldn't claim anything. We should let everybody serve. It's your time and it's your calling. You need to embrace it. But what we've embraced, we have embraced what people have said about us. That's what I love about the cardboard ministry. But listen, in those questions, if you answer yes to any of those questions, then savor this truth. God always wins. And in Romans sixteen twenty, here's the final round. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And I love how that just spelled out because, you know what? I have to say that the grace of Jesus Christ will help us to win. I mean, say this with me. I'm a winner. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a winner. Because we have so often, and they don't like the message, they're leaving. You're a winner. Anyhow, so... In reality, here's, here's what I want to tell each and every one of you. I was able to bring reconciliation to the song leader. I was able to stand up at 19 years of age and leave that church that was putting me down and not lifting me up. I was able to break free from that. And you know what's so cool about everything? Here I am 29 years later still serving the Lord. And it's because of him that we have the great privilege to say, no weapons that are formed against us, shall stand. Not what you say, not what you say, not what you say, not what you say. It doesn't matter. And if you go into work, because I know some of you deal with insecurities. 
I know some of you deal with inadequacies. I know some of you have a difficult time because of what people might say about you in your management position. I know some of you have a difficult time what your kids might say to you about you being a mother or about you being a father. Let me tell you this, that God does love you. And you're doing a great job. He didn't give us a manual. What he did give us was his grace and his love and his mercy and his affection. And so I just want all of you to know that you too can stand up. It doesn't matter what other people will say. If the whole world forsakes you, the Bible says the Lord will lift you up. He will embrace you. You may wonder, when will this victory happen? Does God's definition of soon match ours? Soon implies sooner than we think and especially from an eternal perspective. Before long, we will be in eternity, astonished by how fast life on earth raced by. I'm 47 years old, and I'm so glad that I didn't let that self-centered, arrogant, independent pastor put me down. Got him back. Because I know you've been in the same place I've been. And Brother Phil, legalism has got to go. We know that. We've lived it. And he and I have talked about it. We know what? Because I love you and I care for you and God cares for you and you are, the Bible says, you've been wonderfully made. You are magnificent. You are perfect and that's exactly the way God made you. And I don't, I don't know what happened in your past. It doesn't matter. What matters more is what happens in your future. What you're doing in your present. When was the last time you bowed your knee before God and said, God, I need you today? No weapon formed against me, and I'm going to claim that now. I don't care. I haven't done anything for you. I've not surrendered to your call because I'm afraid of what people will say about me. And I'll I'll tell you this. I would have never thought in a million years that my name would be in the record courier. I never thought in a million years that after all that, that they would come and get me out of a classroom. No, I was that loser, nerdy, weird kid that nobody says, I don't want to sit by him in lunch. But my junior and senior year, God started changing everything. And it was that time when I walked across that stage and they said, Todd Tackett, receive your diploma, that the place stood in a standing ovation. I would have never thought that in a million years. Wait a minute. I thought something happened. I walked up to Mr. Byers and Mr. Fedorchek, the superintendent and principal, and I looked at him and I'm like, what's happening? I actually didn't realize that when I turned around, people were screaming and yelling. I I was shocked. And he said, Todd Tackett, you're the leader of this school. As I walked across that stage, I thought, wow. Me? The nerdy? The weird kid nobody wanted to sit by? Is now getting a standing ovation in an auditorium by the student body and the adults? Me? Who, all I did was show people love, but they put me down. They crucified me on the cross and said wicked, awful things about me? This is happening Right now, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Listen, we believe what people put on Facebook. We believe what people put in letters. And I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not not going to do this anymore, and this will be the last time for some of you that don't know this. I'm standing in this pulpit, and this is a high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And next week when I focus... On Mark chapter 4, verse 24, I will then explain and we will break down. Be careful what you hear. Guard your heart. Two principles that you must really practice. Because I've had people, even this past week, somebody texted me and said, 
I don't like your sanctuary. Mm. Big deal. There was a time when I would say, I can't believe they said that. These people in this church, I was like, well, I'm going to take, that's it. I'm going out for the fight. I'm rolling these sleeves up. That's it. I'm putting on my boxing gloves. I'm going to let them have it. Like, you haven't been there at all. Which I wanted to say, but you know what? I don't need to. Because no weapon formed me against me shall prosper. It'll never succeed. They can say whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. I can have a youth pastor that I just found out that resigned, and I'm going to let the church know because some of you have told me I'm not allowed to say anything. Well, I am because I'm the pastor. Don't get out there and start spreading lies. I'm sick of it. Put down your pride because this man has endured the cross for Christ, and you've endured the cross for Christ. We have endured the cross for Christ. We love people. This church, this body loves one another. And I love that about you. You embrace people. And I'll tell you this, you don't just love them, you love all of them. But you know what's so difficult? Here's what happens. The weapon of pride creeps up in the hearts of people. And they always have to have a story. No, how about you just don't have a story? We don't always have to have a story. Because this is still God's church, and he's still doing his work. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, and that's what I love, is that God is always, he's alive. And he's real in our hearts and in our life. And listen, church, you're going to be persecuted. How many of you have been persecuted for your stand in Christ? Raise your hand. Many of us have. So, say this with me. No weapon formed against me shall succeed Satan wants us to believe oh you wait till I'm done with him you wait till I'm done with her and I got to tell you something it really doesn't matter to me anymore I told my wife this past week and I'll tell you this I've loved every one of the leaders that have been in this church with all my heart with all my soul and I know that the dynamic of ministry changes and people's lives change. And I know work changes. But I'll tell you this, that I've now learned I don't have to take it on. I need to go back to that 15-year-old boy who said, it doesn't matter. I remember that day I, I knelt down at that altar. And now I'm remembering. And my wife recalled this for me this week. The place where God called me to do this work was in Ravenna, Ohio, as I knelt down where that carpet was at. I was cleaning carpets for this account. And I'll never forget just the peace that came over me. And just this week when I said to her, I went out there and I visited that office because they want me to clean it again. No, they want us to do a cleaning in it and continue on to do a maintenance cleaning. But she said to me, Todd, is it going to be like so cool to be in there after, you know, 12 years of being in that building, 11 and a half? And I looked at her and I go, Becky, I didn't even think that. Wow, that's kind of amazing that God is bringing us back to a place where he, they don't even know in that building that God was there. That the power of God was there. listen to this your story and my story 
will soon be in its last glorious chapter. And Jesus Christ the Lord will be forever victorious. But at the end of your book, God wins. And at the end of our book, God wins. And because He wins, so will you. You get to share in His victories. And that's what the Scripture says. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So as you face the weapons and words of your enemies, as you engage in the battles of life, set your heart and hope on the final outcome. It's going to end well for you. I guarantee you. It's going to end well for you. I guarantee you. I had a video I was going to share with you today, and I'm not going to share it. We don't need to. Maybe I'll share it next week. But I just want us, we're not even, I'm just going to take a moment to pray. And then we're all going to stand to our feet. And you can turn the soft music up. And I'm going to ask you to do something. If you've heard a trial or a tribulation that someone's been going through in their life, we're going to get, there's not one visitor in this building. You're going to get out of your seat and you're going to go grab that person. And you're going to pray with them. And you're going to encourage them to listen to the voice of God. You're going to encourage them to continue to move on because guess what we're doing? We're winning the victory. 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 And it doesn't matter if a family member puts you down for your choice in Christ and the place you come and worship. It doesn't matter because no weapon formed against us shall stand. So as I pray with you, I want you to just, in this moment, I want you to to think about maybe some of the, the struggles that you know with some of the people that have maybe been seeking the face of the Lord. Go to them and pray with them. Maybe say this, forgive me, maybe I haven't said the right thing to you and I've hurt you. Wow. You know, revival starts right here. But if we don't start claiming back and grabbing a hold of the pains that, that have kept us so crippled, we'll never be able to do anything for Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you receive what I'm saying? So as you do that, remember, this is the heritage of the Lord. This is what He wants to give back to you. He wants to give you a life of victory. And no matter what Satan has done to, to cripple you and to keep you in bondage, know that today is your day of victory. Today is your day where you can stand up and people can applaud. When, when, when the day comes and the Lord calls you home, I want to walk by your cask and say, that person endured. They lived a life. They fought the good fight. They kept the faith. They stayed on course. And they did what God wanted them to do. And because of that, they are victorious. Let's all stand. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. and We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your calling. Father, we thank you that even in your word you said no weapons that are formed against us shall prosper. And I know sometimes it's in our, it's in our words. 
It's in things we read and things that we see. And Lord, it's in sometimes the way we look at somebody. It hurts them for eternity. And Father, may we not look at people and judge them. May we look at them and accept them. Lord, you said we have to be a body that continues to keep doing your work. And Lord, we know that Satan, every time we start to move forward, we know that the enemy is always there to bring out a weapon to use against us, to stop us. And so, Lord, today, I claim it in the name of Jesus, you said the victory is ours. The heritage is ours. You said it to the Gentiles as you said it to the nation of Israel. And so today, Father, we claim that there is victory and there is power in your word, through your word, and it's because of your death, your burial, and your resurrection that we have life. And we have hope. So thank you, Father, that we can live out our life of faith. And Lord, we just pray that you'll move within us this morning. Don't let Satan use the the sense of pride to hold us back. May we fill the altars. May we walk out and reach out to somebody and help them with some of the pain that they've gone through. Lord, we dedicate this time to you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Would you lift up that music?